Hello everyone! Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out to a fantastic podcast that you need to be listening to right now, as part of a podcast trailer exchange that me and him are having. Telehell is a fantastic podcast that highlights more or less the worst stuff to ever come out on television. It's honestly a podcast that I have to listen to every single time there's a new episode that drops. I mean, it's edited wonderfully, the subject matter is incredible, the host does a great job really entertaining the folks. You know what? I, I need to stop blabbering about it. How about I just let the host tell you himself? How to describe Telehell in 30 seconds? When I was alive, I stole cable. The electric shock from the cable box killed me. Now I'm stuck in hell reviewing the worst and the dumbest TV shows and moments of all time. And I'm going to keep reviewing those shows until I find the one program that checks off all of Dante's nine circles of hell. Limbo. Lust. Gluttony. Greed. Wrath. Heresy. Violence. Fraud. Treachery. Sounds easy, but it's not. Telehell, where TV meets torture. Look for us wherever you stream podcasts, and remember, if it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. Modern Art Podcast, a podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I'm your host, Nathan Raglan. Sorry for more or less disappearing for a couple weeks. Uh, work had been getting a little hectic, and I just need a few weeks to breathe. But we are back, and we are better than ever. And I say for this week's episode, grab your goggles and top hat, and let's prepare for quite the adventure. Today's guests are the creative team at Skull Hair Studios, Show Tuesday and Jim Surname. The team that is behind the upcoming surreal steampunk fantasy adventure, Tally Ho! This was honestly a very chaotic episode. <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible. This was a very fun chat about something that these uh, two guests are both very passionate about. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. But I will go ahead and give you guys a heads up. There's a point, especially whenever we're talking about the different characters of the show, to where the files got corrupted or something i i don't know what it was i tried working around it um i had my homie too much sasha try to work on it but there there seemed to be nothing that we could do and you know i couldn't necessarily edit around it so there might be a point to where you know the audio gets a little weird and the visuals get a little weird but don't worry don't worry it's still an incredible and fantastic interview that i know you guys are going to enjoy if you enjoy my guests, make sure you support them in the links down in the description below. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that stuff and I absolutely love it. If you want to go a little bit further with that support, maybe you should consider getting some of the fantastic merch that you can get at pmap.creator-spring.com. We have some outstanding designs done by some amazing artists and former guests of the podcast like Roya Shahidi and Aiden, a.k.a. Drags, and I sincerely think you guys would look fantastic in it today. And look, if all you want is just a cool place to where you can talk about some of the guests that have been on this podcast or some of the art that either they have made or you've made, maybe you should consider joining our Discord server, The Artist Sanctuary. 
we've already developed an incredible community there, and we think you would be a fantastic addition to help this art world grow. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. All right, show, Jim, before we get this show on the road, I want to start with more or less the, uh, the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you both get to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It's just you, along with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe. You get to truly enjoy yourselves for a little bit. With accommodations, you're not stranded. Trust me, I, I, I wouldn't do that to you guys. Um, to help with whatever vibe you want on this island, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to help with whatever mind space you want on this island. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? Hmm. Why is this difficult? But the first thing that came to my mind <laughs> was a cassette player because I actually do Ooh. have one right now. Okay, oh. that's fair. That's fair. I mean, to be fair, that the I don't know about you, but for me, cassette player takes me back to a little bit of a nostalgia mind space more than anything else, like enjoying those growing up or whatnot. I don't know if it's the same for you, but you know, was it like what was that like the first thing that come to mind for you? me um honestly just i'm even though like i'm pretty young i just really really like retro or old things i don't know why i like vintages and stuff i literally collect vintages okay. one of those hats over there is a vintage nice. um and obviously steampunk and other things so i like just old-fashioned things with like a sense of like elegance or antiquity, like stuff with a little history to it. That's just my kind of style. So typically the type of like aesthetics I like are like art deco, art nouveau, like that kind of like style or, you know, like uh, Chinese art, that kind of stuff. Okay. So. Okay. Nice. I mean, that that's fair. It's a good aesthetic to more or less like lean towards more than anything else. Is there a particular cassette player that would be like the first one you played? Or like the go-to Hold one. On. Two seconds. I am grabbing it right now. <laughs> oh. Oh, and then behind the camera too. Audio listeners love you to death. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Oh. So there's a reason why for this one, but um, my grandfather gave it to me. Oh. Recently. Okay. Oh. It is it is the Walkman, the genuine yeah, article. It's the Walkman. Oh, okay. And fair. it's literally it's like almost mint condition, and I I think it's hilarious that he kept it in such mint condition because here's the thing, uh, he's deaf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the comedy writes line. itself. The, the comedy writes itself right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't write my own story at this point. My life is just a dramedy. I I don't know how I got here. Where am I? Who am I? I don't know. I think you answered the question. Why was it kept in mint condition? <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. He lost well, his hearing. Well, that was cool, and I do appreciate you showing that. I was, when I met Cassette, I mean, like, what's the first thing you're playing on that Walkman? Oh, uh, definitely. That's a difficult question, but um, honestly, I'm kind of cheesy, so 
Uh, Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, it's a good th- that's that's a good one. I mean, if nothing else, like the 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 vibe that gives off, especially when you're just relaxing or whatnot. Like that's good mentality more than anything else. ELO will always be one of my favorite bands, just in general. I've listened to oh god, several several of their albums. Like uh, what was it? Uh, I think Fire on High, New World Record. Uh, what was the one that Mr. Blue Sky was on? I forget. But um, Out of the Blue, I think it is. Okay. And uh, El Dorado, I actually have on vinyl. Nice. El Dorado code. Wait, you have vinyl too? <laughs> I do. I just haven't played it in forever. <laughs> oh, do you not have a vinyl player or do you? No, I do. I just haven't used it in forever. Bro. I was going to say, hey, hey, I also have vinyl over there. <laughs> I also have vinyl over down there and a vinyl player out there. There you go. There we go. It's purple, uh, like my aesthetic. Hey. Oh, uh, yeah. Mine, so I think mine is a turntable that has the flag of Mexico on it <laughs> for some reason. I don't really mind. It works. You know what? Hey, that's all you can ask for for a turntable. <laughs> um, but uh, like, so it's that's the dogs. So um, the so it's what piece of media or what media player is that? Both. Uh, that, like media, or piece of art. Yeah, or piece of art. But yeah, like whatever you consider media or art that's in the realm, whatever you want to bring with you. Just the one thing. Just the one thing. The, the problem. The problem is asking me to commit to one thing that I want. Mm-hmm. I end up vacillating between multiple things that I like, and I'll think it's a really good idea, in like, the in in the one time, and then like within a week, I'm like, I hate this. I why did I do this? I mean, I no, no, no. you're not on this island forever. This is just a, a, a nice little quick vacation. So maybe all you oh, need nice is a quick week. vacation. In that, a oh, nice quick vacation. Uh, in that case, I would take my GameCube. Okay, okay, oh that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Is that system more or less GameCube, Obviously, stuff to play on that. There's a, a smattering of stuff. All of it, all of which are mismatched cases because <laughs> I was a dumb child, and oh they were also hand me downs I... from my cousin. No, I hate that. <laughs> Actually, no. Okay. no. No, not all of them were because there were a bunch of them that were like games that like only my cousin played, and he misplaced the discs for them. So I was like, if I can't find wherever the disc goes, it's like here it goes in this Madden case, in this BMX case, or whatever. <laughs> like oh, the chaos. I, I I hate it too because I'm like, wait, that's not the thing. Where is it? But. I didn't know where else to put them, honestly. Jesus goodness. Yeah. So I'll count over two bangs on GameCube, though. Just so you know, this was the worst person to ask. Like, this was the worst question to ask, like, two incredibly neurodivergent people. (laughs) Why? It's it's the icebreaker question. It's like you're expecting us to die. (laughs) It's the icebreaker question the podcast it's the, the, the break. Oh, God. yeah i know yeah, I, I know it, it gets us to talk about stuff and also yeah soul caliber 2 bangs <laughs> Bang. on the gamecube you know what? absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. well <laughs> but nevertheless a gamecube and uh, a cassette player that's your guys's answer you're locking that in yes then if yeah. that's the case 
I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP for as low as $1 a month. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guests. <clears throat> From Skull Hair Studios, they are the duo leading the charge for several indie animated projects, most notably Tally Ho, a surreal steampunk fantasy adventure. Welcome to the podcast show, Tuzi and Jim's surname. <laughs> Hi, what's up? Also, you better follow Postmodern Art Podcast or I will come find you and I will do it for you. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> hi. Uh, we are part of Skull Hair Studios. I am mostly kind of like the spokesman of uh, most of the things. So, hello. I also stream on Twitch. Um, most of our socials are listed under Skull Hair Studios or uh, on Twitter, it is Skull Hair Hub. PP Pandect and the Skull Hair for various projects, my personal Twitter and uh, stream stuff. So if you're interested in that, please check it out. And I also do have a Kofi if you do want to help make this project come to life a little faster. Well, there you go. How are you both doing today? Yes. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. <laughs> well, well, nevertheless, I do appreciate you both taking the time to be here today. Um, show whenever you first reached out to me, it was uh, it was wonderful to to hear from you and to really divulge into what you guys are producing or whatnot. Seeing what you guys are able to to have your hands in and really start producing, like it had me excited to have you guys on the podcast at a certain point. So here we are <laughs> here we are and i i know i'm certainly excited for it um but before we really divulge into the stuff you guys are creating right now i want to go back just a little bit if i may and know more or less the origin story of skull hair or at least the people behind it what got you both interested in art and animation in the first place okay for me it has always been a lifelong thing uh okay. personally for me i actually started having that interest when i was in middle school mm -hmm. and around 16 i wanted to create the brand skull hair studios um and the reason why i chose that username is one skulls i like uh very macabre things but the other part is hair is actually because it's inspired by tortoise and the hair okay and all my life i was kind of the outcast and misfit and i was called the hair by mm. many of my family members uh, so I was basically treated like a spoiled, arrogant kind of prick or whatever the heck. Um, I know, really funny. <laughs> like, oh, you know, you're like, you're you're like lazy. You're wasting your talents and stuff like that. But I'm like, I am very convinced I'm like learning disabled or something. I'm still getting that tested. But uh, I was a gifted kid too, and that caused a lot of issues with me. Mm. Um. So a lot of, so like when I kind of got out of that system and a lot of stuff happened, I ended up becoming like really clinically depressed. And instead of like realizing that my family, mostly my extended family and stuff like that were like, oh, you're just being lazy and you don't apply yourself. You are being mm -hmm. the hare from the tortoise and the hare. You should be more like the tortoise. You should be calm. You should be collected. You should be more working harder, you know? You know, like, uh, basically, because, like, the moral of the tortoise in the air, in a way, is that 
hard work would be talent if talent doesn't work hard that kind of thing but right right it's a whatever mentality honestly i started art out of spite anyways but <laughs> not the first time i've heard that on this podcast believe it or not someone's starting art because of spite yeah no my dad was literally like if you don't have the talent to do something you should just quit and i was like okay and i didn't <laughs> <laughs> thank god you didn't but, quit so. <laughs> No, and then so when I basically started kind of like rolling on the art journey and stuff like that, there were a lot of speed bumps where I was very disinterested easily in things. But by the time I was 18, 19, I started appreciating all forms of art, including like cooking, music, uh, mm -hmm. just animation, everything. And I mean, absolutely everything. I see beauty absolutely everywhere and everything, crafts. Uh, art, architecture, everything. So when that started, like when I started kind of changing my mentality towards that, it's started making me think about how I wanted to boost other people who are like me and have very, very strange and unique writing styles because I see there are a lot of trends out there and there are a lot of things that people tend to follow because that's just human nature, right? And for me, no matter what I created, even if people tell me it's very creative or something, since I just have such a different view on things, it was just never good enough, or it just didn't fit people's expectations of me or people's like what they wanted, right. essentially. So it's kind of in a way my goal to create some of the weirdest, most absolutely mind-bending stories out there because like i just really really like creating stuff that makes people think but also makes people not feel alone because uh as somebody who has struggled a lot with different types of trauma and whatnot i would like to bring more attention to mental illness and uh different types of upbringings that aren't just watered down and diluted with some happy go lucky mentality because sometimes life isn't like that you know it's bittersweet it's actually why i like a lot of french indie animation films and stuff because they have a much more bittersweet kind of approach yeah oh yeah especially what they got over there with the the stuff that they like to produce and honestly hearing your story and hearing the stuff that you've had to go through and seeing that you're still wanting to persevere and have that voice like be on full blast or whatnot. I, I already had a lot of respect for you. Like that just brings my respect to a whole different level. And we, <laughs> we you. just got this interview started too. That that's impressive more than anything else. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so there's a little bit more to it too, but the reason why I started uh tally ho and stuff like that is because of a of a variety of things but one of the reasons why i started with a steampunk project first is because one there is actually not many steampunk animated media especially western media two um it's a niche so mm -hmm. i was like you know what i my brain is wired to be hipster i don't <laughs> know why don't ask i i don't know either i'm just like see popular thing okay i'll go the other direction and that's yep, just how my enough. brain's always been fair so enough. i see steampunk and stuff like that and when i first attended a steampunk convention as a volunteer um it, it was a uh, key city steampunk by the way uh but 
I saw that there was a lot of of an older crowd there, and I was like, huh, I'm I was like literally one of the youngest, if not the youngest person there, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> like okay, <laughs> so I was like. That kind of solidified my decision to、um, kind of bring steampunk into a different medium instead of just books, because steampunk has this weird reputation of like being super hard to produce and draw and whatnot. And I'm、mm. sitting here like looking at that, and I'm like, 2003 Clone Wars was a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the detail that was put in that. Like, I think it's just.、Um, It comes down to marketing, and it comes down to、uh, how each story was written and stuff like that. And、yeah. cyberpunk has much more of a history than steampunk, since steampunk was technically a spawn off of that. But、um, steampunk in general is really niche, and I wanted to bring it to a new medium, aka animation and stuff, to bring more attention, to bring more viewers, and to bring a new generation into. This genre and to learn about it too, because it's not really digital at all. It's mostly like analog stuff or in person, and of course, we just need more things that people can get invested into and be like, "Oh, hey!" Because why is the entire Steambunk community literally on Facebook? I can't, <laughs> dude. Like, I can't. I'm just like, please, God, expand outwards. So that's basically it. Is like I'm just tired of seeing the same old things. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make the、uh, like the most out of indie and make the most unmarketable thing ever. Because、uh, screw you, every single big network out there who says, hey, I can make this raunchy adult show that is totally going to make a ton of cash, and I'm like. No, please don't.、Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm like, no, please don't. <laughs> and、uh, then more news about like you know Netflix cutting shows and then、yep. everything yep. else going downhill. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make this the most undeniably like punk thing I can. So that's also the reason why I chose a lot of the genres that we did choose. So there you go. There you go. Also, I'm just gonna say, are you like, are you looking at my notes? Because like that was good. That was something I was the steampunk whole entire discussion was something I was gonna eventually t- touch、no. upon. This. <laughs> are, I, I have been known to be psychic though. <laughs> I was gonna、this、say is, I'm not this is true. This is true. Jesus, I was gonna say like, no, you, I, I know you're joking. I don't even know if I have anything to say. I just feel silly trying to follow that up. <laughs> Well, I was gonna say、Sorry. like, I know you were joking earlier, but are you seriously in the walls? Like,、uh, no, no. <laughs> You'll never know, and you'll never find out if you know what's good for you. Duly noted. Duly noted. But <laughs> Jim, now for you. For me. Yes, your origin story. What got you interested in art and animation as well? Ah,、uh, well, I don't remember if I can pinpoint down like a specific time where I actually like got into it. Into it.、Mm-hmm. What I remember, like, what I would do is it was it was always a hobby for me, and it always has been, and it's kind of a.、Uh, Wrecked my、uh, wrist by using the same form that I used to write that I used to draw, which is something that no, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that.、It's、you need、horrific. a different. It's、form. legitimately horrific. I've seen need, it. I don't need, know how. Like you need like it is. No, it is not like that. Like it, it is not.、It's、it is、terrible. not like that. <laughs> I'll need to provide like a thing, but it's the same form that I use. 
for like a pen okay. and it's just like oh god my fucking wrist is red but i digress um what i would do a lot of the time is i would use it like it was the sort of stuff where i'd get like i, I was always drawing on something okay like it would be placemats loose pieces of paper or stuff like that i'd ask for something and i'd get a ballpoint pen and i'd just draw whatever i wanted to draw okay on that and i and i had done that for like years on years on years on years and i have still just kind of been doing this for fun for a hobby and what initially got me into art was i don't know i just liked having these characters and making up these things in my mind and i because of the way that my attention span works that it doesn't uh i would kind of vacillate between all these different things and what ended up happening was like I was like, oh yeah, I'll get a DeviantArt. I'll get all. The, I'll get a DeviantArt. I'll get this stuff, which I haven't. I don't think I've actually touched my DeviantArt in earnest in probably like three or four years. Not even to like check messages. It was actually three, three, three years. <laughs> yeah, no, three years. Yeah, like, and it was actually how I ended up meeting them was um through an OCT. So an OCT, an original character tournament, you draw your own characters and you put them against other people's original characters and they put it in like a bracket tournament where whoever does, it's usually comics, whoever does the best comics slash animation ends up winning this round and going to the next round. Okay. There are some cases where it's, there are some cases where it's not elimination based and they just will progress you and they'll just allow you to progress your whole arc, but that sense of being in a bracket tournament means it kind of like pushes you. You've you've got to make your art, your story, the best that it can possibly do, the best that it can possibly be, so that you can go to, the, so that you can uh, get to the end. I also figured out it's really fucking hard, and I never got <laughs> past round one. If you see the expression on my face right now, please don't ever try to make your uh, piece of work the best it can ever be because you will suffer a lot from paralysis like you just have paralysis. to be you just have to be good you just enough have to do it you just have, you to, have to be it. good enough like for a lot of people it just it is just the dedication like especially in certain tournaments it was just being able to do stuff consistently mm-hmm. was what got was what got people to win like yeah there's fidelity there's other stuff but consistency was the main thing and it's very hard to do, especially when I'm juggling school and all this other stuff. And right. that kind of fell through. But what it got out of it was getting this huge like group of people that I got to talk to. And like dynamics have changed over the past few years. And we've gotten to like now where the two of us are like spearheading this sort of thing here. Mm-hmm. They originally okay. started it, and I kind of got a, and I kind of like uh, got fucking uh, dragged by the neck with like a shepherd's crook, like off stage, kind of you know the thing where it's just like, no, you just, get you get here, exit stage. I, left. Just, I just I just see this hedgehog, and I was like, yes, mine now, and I took <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The funny thing about that too is uh, about OCTs. Fun fact, but um. A lot of people used to do OCTs, like some of the more like well-known people, like uh, Zurel, Vivzy Pop, mm-hmm. um, 
but like yeah no they've done octs and stuff before to kind of like freshen up their story skills and stuff like that and it can be a great learning curve just don't let it fuel your ego because i guarantee you that shit is going to crash once you lose oh yeah so yeah no because it's like and and this is and this is not to speak ill of any of the actual like famous people who've gotten into octs because i think in a lot of cases they don't necessarily even try to cultivate it but when you have people who are who have like such a well-known body of work who have all this other stuff like Zarel and whatever who come into an OCT, you basically have people who want to come in solely to see him and to see him succeed. Mm-hmm. And like, very, yeah, and it gets very daunting for everyone else. And I, I can't even imagine it'd be like. I'm sure he has fun with it, but it's also kind of like you know, he understands more than anyone like what that kind of like him and I think unknown person would like know what kind of like following that cultivates and. At least it's gotten him enough attention to get his to get like Monkey Ranch off the ground, which fucking good for him. Honestly, that's that's fantastic stuff. Monkey Ranch, good. Monkey but Ranch yeah, good. no, like it's just again. Um, so I got most of my start of telling stories through comics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Meeting a lot of the people in that community, honestly, boosted like my skills more than I ever could. Okay, and on my own and honestly the funny thing is a lot of those people that i still have as close friends and whatnot pulled onto my team (laughs) i think they have really really good potential and i genuinely believe in them but it's because we're all so different from the expectations of other people and everyone has their inherent bias this is never a bad thing but people have their biases and unfortunately we just don't fit that criteria so oftentimes we're just left to the wayside and our stories are never really given the opportunity to really lift off the ground especially like with tournaments and stuff like that there is a bias towards actions like towards stories that can grip your attention very very quickly because obviously you need to build suspense you need to build this you need to do that you know hooking your readers Mm -hmm. but a lot of us don't write like that. I know I don't write like that. I write very, very, like, mellow build, and then, uh, screw you. <laughs> Goodbye. It's like, for... I, I remember, I don't want to go and, like, say, well, I think I'm most like this artist, or I think whatever, but, like, uh, I remember, like being told it was stuff like well you have a very naturalistic kind of way of doing dialogue you could it's like it kind of feels very tarantino in the way that you do this and the other thing and i am never going to compare myself to tarantino i'm going to use someone else's word and at this stage like i think i hope that was just his frame of reference because i don't know what he was thinking (laughs) anyway the um that whole thing is just I like doing naturalism, realism, not, okay, not slavish realism to the extent of, like, because I will say this, I will always say this, what people call realistic, it very clearly shows the kind of things that they want to focus on. Mm. When people say realism, they interpret their own kind of realism a lot of the time like Mm. unless you have people who are like 
going through stuff and like being very meticulous about historical context and stuff like that. When I hear people say realistic, there's a part of me that kind of goes like, hmm, what is realistic? What thing are you trying to make realistic? Because oftentimes, like when you have stuff, it's like, uh, it was like, you have to be, where when people say it's like, this is a realistic fantasy setting, they're hyper-focusing on the idea that uh, women didn't have the important jobs or some stuff like that. Like, it is really telling what someone thinks when they say realistic. So I kind of shy away from the idea of, like, using the term realism. I have so much to say on that, too, because, <laughs> holy crap, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a realistic fantasy. Uh, where are all the disabled people? Yeah, yeah, mm, there you go. Mm, mm. Hmm. It seems like you're not thinking about something. It's like, it's, just like, it, it's not it, realistic it if you have a certain other ethnicities in there. And I'm like, also realistic and fantasy is just very funny to me because it's like, when, when it's like, when it's like, you have made the entire thing from the ground up, you are choosing what is and isn't plausible. Mm. And you decide to, like, include or omit certain things based on different admissions. So when I think realism, when I, th I think more naturalism, I think more plausibility. Mm -hmm. When I think of that, I think of, like, what would an average person be doing? What would their life be like? What would just day-to-day -day life kind of exist? What is the – what is – how can you – I think probably the thing that this might come up later, what one of the things that kind of motivated me about Tally Ho is how do I take something that is fundamentally very magical, very fantastical, very weird and surreal and make it boring and mundane? How can you take something that is really, how can you take something that's really out there and believe that people could actually live in that world, and the answer is you give it mundanity. It's like, yeah, there's these magic crystals that can power your home, but it's like, do you sit here and wonder, wow, the marvels of electricity? Like, no, you just, you you, you have the thing, you plug your toaster in, whether it's, can, whether it's the power plant, like, whether it's the power plant in the next town over, or it's from a magic rock, who cares? It's electricity, it makes <laughs> your thing work. You don't care about how it works most of the time. And pretty you know? much, like, Ultimately, our motto when it comes to making Tally Ho in general is literally uh, just... I just had it on the tip of my tongue and now I lost it. <laughs> Crud. Um, making the fantastical mundane. That's literally what it is. Okay. So, And also, by the way, fun fact, uh, magical realism is actually a genre. So it is totally different. Not what we're doing very different thing but yep there we go <laughs> goodness yeah. I, I, oh, sorry oh, wow major brain fart right there happened <laughs> that's all right okay let's see now I, I i appreciate like the amount of like thought love and attention you guys are giving to like this topic and to these projects already like especially the fact that you guys are to the people behind, as we illustrated before, Skull Hair Studios. Now, from what I can do my research show, this was initially like just your like name for the independent, you know, studio or whatnot. Like, what made you want to uh, like? 
I'm sorry, sorry. It is raining hard out there, and I just got distracted by that. What the fuck? <laughs> it's just like, I was talking, and I just heard a whoosh. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Turn me off my game. Yes. <laughs> the weather out there is quite scary. <laughs> Anyways, back to uh, what I was going to say. Um, no, it's one of like, so you, it, it leads to, obviously, Skull Hair Studios. Now, show, if I remember correctly, based on my research, this was initially your like, name for the studio or whatnot, like, I know you kind of illustrate it with the, the skull hair thing or whatnot, but what ultimately made you want to like name it that and create like your own independent studio or at least go forth with this venture? Uh, spite. Spite. Anyways. Okay. Good start. <laughs> no, no, okay. Serious. Yes. But serious answer, more in depth answer before anyone thinks I'm an asshole. <laughs> A multitude of reasons. Once again, uh, this little dude is to literally spit in the faces of everyone who has ever called me a hair. So <laughs> I literally made the symbol of calling me an idiot my face, and they will have to stare at it when it is out there. Anyways, and the other thing is, uh, again, I just... I always have been interested in uh, business and other kinds of stuff. I've always wanted to create my own brand in general that has always just been a thing with me. I like money. Who doesn't like money in this day and age? Let's be real. At yeah, this who, point, just I was, don't have shady business practices. I was going to say, yeah, who doesn't like money here and there? By the way, you should check out the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com. Um. <laughs> Do it! Do it or I'll get you! But anyway, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I just like money, but also, um, genuinely it is to bring, uh, stories that I think are worth uplifting and kind of like very unusual or surreal stories up to the forefront. Like specifically, I actually labeled, um, Tally Ho as new weird, which is a really, really interesting genre, by the way. Hmm. Um, notable examples in that is Perdido Street Station by China Mieville. Okay. But yeah, so basically, I just really, really like strange, weird things or like things that are like going be like above and beyond to test the limits of like what we can do, of what we can write, of what really elevates like uh, philosophical thinking and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite games is Night in the Woods, and one uh... of my other favorite games is carry on because carry on is just really really interesting when it mm -hmm. comes to like its mechanics and other things but night in the woods creates a lot of this soulful comforting feeling to me that's like makes me feel like i'm not alone in uh suffering my conditions and stuff like that mm -hmm. so basically i just like storytelling and i just want to create something that is for unfiltered storytellers like myself, obviously with limitations, right, but right. Um, basically I just, I really detest how a lot of popular um, networks and stuff like that uh, censor storytelling. Like they censor queer topics, they censor like what isn't marketable, cultural topics too, you know? Like obviously there's a big disparity with um, people of color and stuff like that because you know mm -hmm. um so it's just a lot of that is i want to create stories that can comfort the people who really need it and 
help uplift other storytellers that are like-minded like myself or very different from myself and can bring something very unique and interesting to the table that no other network would ever want. Right, right. I mean, it, in a way, I find it almost kind of like a, a nice little full circle moment, you know, considering the fact that you were initially called, you know, skull hair or at least hair because of, you know, lazy and, you know, kind of self-centered doing your own thing. But yet here you are not only taking that, embracing it and doing your own thing, but also trying your best to also elevate other voices as well and really like push forward for something incredible that I, I'd say it's almost poetic justice at this point. So literally all my friends can attest to this but my passion and ambition is very infectious and they have all described me as lighting their torches to basically get hype for their own things and just like go for it so well, there you go there you go jim is that why you were more or less dragged into the skull hair studios thing just the the inspiration that show exuded yeah it was like well i'm not I okay I, i'm not <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to make them out to be any kind of villain or anything, but it was originally, like, I do vacillate a lot, and, like, getting me to sort of pin down on one thing is exceptionally hard, as they will tell you. But um, the what, in it, what ended up happening is, like, you're talking about it, and, like, like they were talking about it, and I got... And I got put into it because it was like, you know, they'd like talking to me about their different projects and stuff like that. And there were a bunch of other projects that they had talked to me about prior, none of which I'm really going to talk about here because, like, if those ever end up actually becoming an idea someday, I wouldn't want to, like, I wouldn't want to, like, play my hand on that right. just yet. But, like, uh,. For me, like there is, there are some of that for me too. But it was for 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 me, it was I kind of got like thrown in when they got really enthusiastic about this. Like I want to do this tally ho stuff. I want to do steampunk. I want to do all this other stuff. And like I want to do steampunk. I want to do all this stuff because steampunk. I was... gotta go. <laughs> Mom says I can't hang out with you anymore. <laughs> like ta like tally ho was. Like, steampunk was something that I had kind of, like, gotten, I guess, not turned off of, but, like, when they talk about, like, there is not much of a prevalence of steampunk media, like, there is an even, there is an even, like, smaller window of steampunk media that feels like it visually, thematically kind of, like, pushes the envelope. Right. Like, people will rope any, like, Victorian alternate fantasy into steampunk. And they'll, and so it's like, it's like Professor Layton and all this other stuff. Like, like Professor Layton. I mean, yeah. Professor Layton's about to, like, really be steampunk, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He's now, but, like, but it's also stuff like that. And it's just, like, anything that has brass and cogs and gears and the cool goggles and the top hats. And it just felt like, you know... It felt like brass and gears and goggles on and goggles on top of a top hat with a leather corset and science and like and like exploring the world and all this other stuff. And there's <sighs> steampunk kind of got roped into a lot of cultural shit, which is about like, you know, like steampunk kind of got roped into like a lot of those old like pulp, those like pulp fantasy 
like, you know, explorers going out and seeing and going out and visiting, like, exotic lands and all that other stuff and all the thematic baggage, I guess we'll say, that comes with that. And, like, putting putting the punk back in steampunk was something that, like, Sho wanted to do. I wanted to make something which... I was always more. I always was more of a diesel punk guy myself. Ask me about a lot of the thematic baggage behind diesel punk. I will. <laughs> uh, but the um, I wanted to make something that kind of like not only kind of tied into the history of the time, like some of it's more anachronistic, obviously because it's fantasy, mm-hmm. but. For me, I wanted to make steampunk that looked, felt visually more interesting. I always have noticed it's like, it's the same color palette, it's the same visual style, it's the same, like, it's like always autumn colors with a lot of brass and stuff like that. It's like, like, I wanted to introduce more colors, I wanted to introduce more, like, technological variation, I wanted to do all this other stuff, I wanted to make it stand out. Which um, is actually really interesting because steampunk has a lot of color and variety especially in the cosplay scene there are so many pictures i took uh during last year's convention and the year before where like i've seen so many beautiful cos cosplays and stuff that had like bright greens bright like um just bright colors neons against blacks that kind of thing where it almost leaned almost into a cyberpunky kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it's still very clearly neo-victorian that kind of deal so it's like it's just really interesting to see that all the artwork that I ever see is brown, brown, orange, maybe a bit of gold or brass. Yep, that's like, a, that's what I said. Brown. Yep, brown. <laughs> brown, like that's why I said autumn tones. It's just like so brown. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, brown is a type of orange. So... Yeah. Yeah. Burnt umber. God, I'm gonna fucking kill you. If I hear that word one more time, I think I might implode. I'm in art school, buddy. I, I, I know. I I took this fucking I took figure drawing class and I took all this other ones. It's like it's not brown. But to be very specific, it is burnt umber. Burnt sienna. Who? I am going to fucking die here. Burt down the school building. I mean. <laughs> anyway, speaking of brown and brass and stuff, the literal back of these tarot cards are brown and brass. Like, okay. Not that I don't mind, like, just having, like, brass and gold or gold kind of, like, stand out on, like, darker, more muted colors. But, like, when that is the only, like, thing that you kind of see in the palette, in the aesthetic, like I not only want we not only want to bring steampunk into, I guess it's more of a youthful thing now. Like with them, like it's like they're a steampunk. They really like steampunk. All the people that are like into steampunk, like there aren't a lot of people that are like in their twenties or in their teens and stuff like that. You don't have much of a scene for that. People that are in are at least in their thirties, and not only that, the kind of well, like. Actually... Not even thirties, forties. Uh, at least there were there probably were at least a couple, but that's like True. the floor. Mm-hmm. That is the floor that you find usually. It's not it's not twenties. It's not teens. It's like thirties and above. Mm-hmm. And 
like the kind of crowd that you get there aren't like I'm not saying we try we try we're trying to be hip and cool, but it's like there's a fundamental um, change in media in like presentation because a lot of the people that they have talked about, like the people that you go that they went to go see, one they're on Facebook. The other thing is that they're usually um, not digital artists. They're yeah, I'm actually probably one of the only people. Yeah, one of the only people who is like a digital artist and stuff like that. All the other people that are in like the steampunk scene, they are craftsmen. They're woodworkers, leather. They're woodworkers. They're leather workers. They're like painters metal work and too. metal. Well, yes, metal workers and like garment makers and people and people who craft and people who do crafts. They're more they're more crafts minded mm-hmm. kind of thing. Which is, I this is not at all like an indictment of that. I love that. I love the kind of like stuff that they come up with. But there is a disconnect. And it is still incredibly niche and insular and what kind of gets out of that space. What gets out of that incredibly niche space is like, is again, the sort of the stereotypical ones where everything's in autumn colors and everything has like big steam pipes. Look how many of these tarot cards are brown. 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 Look how many of them have have, like all this other stuff. Like brown. Yeah. Brown. Jesus. This one's actually purple. <laughs> but it was like introducing like more vivid, saturated colors, introducing like different different styles of dress and all that other stuff, which a lot of coats I realize. We've drawn a lot of coats, but coats are cool, who cares? Yeah. You did that. <laughs> He was the one who put like a, a bunch of coats on half of these characters. I was like, okay, cool. I mean, there were a lot of people that were wearing coats and stuff like that. We could get like to pe- more people wearing shirts and it's, stuff like that. It's Upper British England area. I don't know. Ringford isn't even in Britain, but whatever. It's uh, it's Britain adjacent. Britain it's adjacent. English adjacent. It's cold. It's but- cold up there. But I was gonna say, basically, long and the short of it, especially when it comes to like the steampunk aesthetic, what you guys are working on at Skull here, it's one of those like, correct me if I'm wrong, from what I'm getting is you felt like there was probably like an untapped potential when it comes to what could be yes. presented oh, yeah. when it comes to steampunk. Oh yeah, like there, yes. like pe- people have that that mentality, and it seems to be like an old dated mentality when you guys are hoping to more dig into that reservoir and find a cool new way to present it to people and like have them fall in love with it as much as you guys love it. Do you want to know how many people have actually told me, oh, how are you going to fund this? It seems really expensive. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? You're making a cyberpunk thing, really? <laughs> like, so, like it's really funny because you have stuff like this. It's all that sounds really... Because, yeah, steampunk stuff kind of tends to be very ornate. Um, elaborate. Very ornate. Yeah, ornate. And, like... But I'd be hard pressed to find any cyberpunk stuff that isn't as overwrought a lot of the time. Like, you know, you have to have like people with funny markings or glowing stuff or like complex or complex robotics and stuff like that. Like I I kind of burned out on cyberpunk more than a bit for other reasons, but um like cyberpunk is the cool thing now. It's like you're seeing more of that like style like in in general and steampunk is something that we want to like introduce in steampunk is something that we want to introduce and show that there are 
different ways to do it and there should be different ways to do it like there are so many different settings that you can do in steampunk it boggles the mind it's just a time period it's just a time period speaking of that wild westerns uh wild wild west like weird western is also steampunk too it is literally just a different subsect of it because it's set in the u.s instead of like london england that yeah. kind of area it's like wild wild west is and like but that's also kind of the thing too oh, it's God. like you're or you're or anglo-centric stuff right <laughs> that we get into like especially because they're because because they're taiwanese and to see like this sort of like obviously to see stuff that's like kind of dominated by the anglosphere and introducing like a dis and introducing like distinctly like and introducing distinctly east asian like characters mm -hmm. into like, a steampunk setting without like because you know like when people get into that stuff it's like when you introduce east asian stuff it's all like wrapped up in that fucking like british like colonial culture bro, and it's bro. like I hear the gong sound effect at this point. Yeah. Anyways, but... yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with modern media, it's even that too. But like, uh, honestly, uh, like to kind of go on like how little of the steampunk media there is, honestly, one of the most steampunk kind of films that I can even say that is like, yeah, that's steampunk is literally Wild Wild West, and that movie is not good. But it is steampunk, I guess, and I'm like, okay, if that's the line, I don't really know if we have I'm, any more to spare. I mean, wasn't there a movie that Peter Jackson came out with, like, a few years back called, like, Mortal Engines or something like that? Wasn't that, like, vaguely I, steampunk? We don't talk about, we, we don't talk about <laughs> okay. that one. Okay, we just don't. It looks pretty, but, like, uh... Mortal Engines is not good, bro. Okay, okay, you know it's, what? It's kind, of, it's kind of more diesel punk too, I think. But uh, I'll say, I mean, boy. I was gonna say, like, either way, it's one of those. Yeah, in media, there isn't really that much of a uh, grandiose version when it comes to steampunk. So I'm glad to know that you guys are uh, some of the ones that are leading the charge for, and, and quite possibly one of the the most unique creatively like stunning ways possible and that is with the show that we've been more or less dancing around tally ho now, <laughs> so i have to start by asking this uh show you're probably gonna be the one to answer this one but how how did the story of tally ho come to you in the first place uh god i <laughs> okay so originally it was just gonna be a two minute a uh, project of some sort that it was just me futzing around with like the idea of steampunk monster hunters because that's my favorite trope. I was like, heck yeah, I'll just make the thing that I really like to see. Um, but the irony is one of the monster hunters is a monster, a vampire. Ah. So that's the plot twist. Anyways, uh, because I was like kind of binging a lot of, steampunk indie media one of them is notably league of steam which i i really really like okay. uh their prop design is fantastic um but it is live action i was like maybe i can try to do this with animation instead because that's what i'm good at mm -hmm. um i say <laughs> as i'm trying anyways uh <laughs> but 
then later on i was like i because originally i was going to do it as like a two-month project and do it as a surprise to jim okay um some stuff happened uh that basically got me even more fired up for the project and i eventually just consulted jim because i was like i actually don't feel comfortable writing his character without his consent just in case it's out of character or something Mm. so i was like okay and then i just slapped him and i was like hey what's up do you want to do this project with me and they're like let me think about it then a few days later they're like oogie and they came (laughs) on and uh we basically rewrote everything okay yeah yeah we um there are there's the old drafts of the stuff and also the old character design drafts which it is vastly different. It is vastly different. Vastly different, yeah. Vastly kind of more different. reminiscent of that, like, kind of more reminiscent of, you know, that, like, standard steampunk stuff. There were more autumn colors, more other stuff. I kind of, I've noticed we've been training more to, like, I've noticed we've been training more in the opposite direction of, like, cooler colors. Yeah. Instead of, like, warmer colors. Understandable. It's the London atmosphere. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's not even. It's not even in London. That's that's the funny part. Yeah. It's it, not. It's not in London. It's it, it's in Diet London. You know. Uh, <laughs> London. Diet London. No. <laughs> I mean that's that essentially. Oh, when, now that God. you guys are bringing it up or what, I like looking at the the city of Ringford or whatnot, uh, Ringford City, and how like it's more or less set up, you know, with the upper class or aristocrats being in certain areas and the lower class or whatnot, like this whole entire dichotomy and system or whatnot, finding, you know, the natural resources, which will definitely divulge in a little bit or whatnot. Like, I can see it being just more or less like Little London at the end of the day, but, like, it, it makes sense, like, why you would want to create such a, a unique world, especially with how passionate you guys were talking about steampunk alone. Like, how important was it for you guys to really deliver on such a unique sandbox of a, of a world like ring for city yeah mm-hmm. uh but yeah no we we just really like world building and stuff especially like that's an, also a big other thing is uh remember how i said i just my brain is wired towards the niche i studied a lot of different animated shows to recognize patterns i don't mm-hmm. know why my brain is just like this um and one of those things that I noticed is the ones that stick around for longer or the ones that are typically more interesting for other people to get into are wor- like ones with strong, strong, strong world building. So stuff mm-hmm. like Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. uh, Troll Hunters. Um, Steven Universe actually had pretty decent world building too, yeah. if you really thought about it. So like um, the, a lot of these stories had very, very like unique worlds that you could explore and feel yourself living in so that's when that kind of got my brain thinking that's also another reason why i brought on jim because i personally was really weak at world building okay um i'm more of a character person jim is a lot more of a world builder this dude has built like i don't even know how many worlds at this point like and and they just put it somewhere and i'm like why are you like this i'm going to forcibly drag it out of the abyss and make it happen because you just leave it there why would you leave it on the shelf like that i have my i have my uh like i have my giant pantry full of ideas and occasionally i will take stuff out and put it into stories oftentimes what i'll do is i just 
have a shitload of things that I've thought of, and I thought, this would be good for this. I'll just toss this in here, even though this was meant for something different. Or I'll just combine <laughs> two ideas. Or I could turn an idea into two separate ideas. I have too many things to do. I will never get to finish everything that I want to do. So I just need to find out the things that I would like to do the most. Which is why we actually... Uh, here's the funny thing. I said that Jim has, like, a lot of unfinished ideas with, like, really untapped potential. I literally made him drag out one of them and just connect it to Tally Ho, and I was like, okay. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, like, I had a lot of stuff that I would, that I had a lot of stuff where it was just, like, I'd use it for, like, I'd use it for, like, uh, I'd use it for, like, uh, pen and paper RPG stuff, or I'd use okay. it for, like, Yep, same. I use it for paper RPG stuff, or I just use it for like my old stuff that I wanted to make comics or stuff like that, and have no idea how it was mm. with that kind of like enthusiasm that like and is it enthusiasm that like someone in elementary school or middle school says where they have this wild, unbridled ambition and no fucking idea how to do anything with it. So it just kind of became. <laughs> It just kind of became like this wellspring of like, it was, it, I don't think I've ever gotten back to that point yet because I've found things to occupy that creativity with for better or worse. But like the, um, what's it called? Um, that whole thing basically like with a, that like with Tally Ho, mm -hmm. like I got into, I got really into the world building because it was just always something that I found more interesting. Okay. Like, I love doing the characters. I like making stuff that feels natural, not necessarily realistic. Hmm. Plausible, natural, that is always something I said, and that is the kind of language that every artist should avoid, is saying, like, is this realistic? No. Is it plausible? Does it make sense with the rules that you have made up? Like, you have to keep yourself honest. You have to go by your own rules. Like, yeah, we literally actually have, like, a lot of rules for Tally Ho. Specifically, um, even the character designs have rules to them, mm -hmm. uh, which we will go into that later. Um, but the character designs have rules, the art style, and the world building have rules. Uh, like, there are rules that we do actually follow. And there are some times where I do have to say no to Jim's ideas, unfortunately, just to make things fit together better. I mean, there are some yeah, things to no be to better. me. And, you know, that's, that's basically what it is. You know, yeah. it's a nice collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. The collaboration has always has, is kind of like, it's fundamental. Like it's a part of the process now. Like it's, like, it's something that was kind of shown on, like, the press packet or whatever, but it was, like I've said, mm. and I will always say this, it's like, there is, nobody necessarily gets carte blanche. It has to go, like, there are some people who have, I guess, more influence than others mm -hmm. in, like, certain departments, but nothing that we do gets any, like, could be considered finished unless it's had at least, like, a second perspective, like it's what we do with the character designs with the environment designs yeah. with everything like you have to go by at least another person it in order for you this gives us like fresh perspectives and stuff because right. like we all bring something very different and unique to the table so i mean i can already tell that 
you guys are bringing a lot of unique stuff to this project just based on the little taste of tally how we'd be able to get oh, here you. and there and whatnot. <laughs> wow, I mean, I, I, I can tell you right now, like you kind of illustrated this, but like, you know, with certain rules or whatnot, especially like the art style, the art style that you guys are implementing with tally. Ho, I was going to emphasize this with the world as well, but like you guys have picked a gorgeous style. I remember when you guys were doing your, uh, the pitch for the, the animation, uh, indie animation hub or whatnot. The, the, the one perspective or the one, uh, was it the reference or whatnot or the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Resource, uh, inspiration. That's the word I was looking for. Jesus. One inspiration. You kind of mentioned this earlier show, but, uh, 2003 Star Wars from Gindy, uh, Tartakovsky, Tartakovsky, that you guys mentioned that. And that hit a chord, like a nostalgic chord, because that is a gorgeous world, that is gorgeous animation. And looking at the animation you guys are putting out there or whatnot, like, I can really see that art style really being brought through more than anything else. Like, it is absolutely stunning what you guys are going to be pushing out there. Uh, It has me more than excited to see what you guys are going to be actually, you know, presenting. Yeah, I'm a very, like, traditionalist person in a way. Like, okay, I literally have an ink dip pen over there. And (laughs) I do actually draw in ink dip sometimes and whatnot. Um, But, yeah, I do far more than just digital. So when people are like, you know, I actually forgot that you can actually do anatomy and stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) you didn't realize I'm not a one-trick pony right like uh, I, yeah, they, like you you've branched out to so many different like like mixed like media. i said i i do other things too like craft right right this is yeah. uh there's a mole skull and a coyote tooth in here oh lovely <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah no i do actually do like a lot of different things uh the dice box back there this thing i made it's a dice tower um but yeah i i basically just do a lot of things and yeah. yep it's a very oh, nice little dice tower. that is a nice little dice tower i will give a credit for that but i imagine like you know having the the the, the influence and all stuff for different stuff like that like especially bringing that into like what you're gonna be doing with tally hill with the animation style like i can only imagine how how stunning how gorgeous and how diverse uh both the, the atmosphere and the characters you guys are presenting. We didn't even really touch upon the characters that you guys are presenting with Tally Ho. You guys, you guys have gotten a, quite the eclectic group so far when it comes to the, the amazing characters you have. Presented. I just want to at least illustrate the top two, at least right off the bat. Adam and uh, and Pearson. You guys have to tell oh me boy. more about them. What what? You guys need to tell me more about them. Well, we'll uh, a rich with, boy uh, with fucking problems and uh, the traumatized, gifted kid child that was like, I, I'm Jared. I'm 19, and I never learned how to fucking read. <laughs> well, yes, a fine reference. <laughs> yes, that is the best way I can describe it because canonically, Adam can't read. <laughs> and they are 19. They have like mild dyslexia. <laughs> We, uh, as you can see, we both put our, um, our gifted kid experiences in the characters. Oh boy. In some way or another. My, like, Pearson's definitely much more dramatized and, like, I, I never, I didn't experience a lot of the actual stuff that he did, but it's, like, a lot of that same vibe, the same emotions, you, you get through that, it's, oh god. Yeah, it's a lot about, um... It's about expectations. Okay. Like, yeah. expectations is kind of like a through line 
throughout everything, like what someone, what someone is, has the potential to be, what someone is supposed to be, what other people think someone is supposed to be, what you think you're supposed to be. Ultimately, like to, sorry, to boil that down, honestly, it's about what people think your fate is versus what the fate you can create is too. Yeah. Expectations from other people. Um, I have always been fascinated with that concept of fate and other things, which is why terror is actually a really, really big theme in Tally Ho. Okay. Yep. It's not apparent yet. Not apparent yet, but you will figure out how later. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I imagine, you know, obviously a big influence of that is obviously, like a guy says, this is essentially yourselves, maybe more dramatized, but more, you know, basically a version of yourselves you guys put in there in in Tally Ho, which I mean... Now that I hear that, it makes a lot more sense show why you're the one that's going to be voicing Adam. Because I saw that initially, I'm like, man, bold of the creator to be the, the voice actor. But now that I see it, it's uh, essentially you anyway, you know, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> I mean... Even even in even in costume, I mean, look at that. Yeah, yeah, that is I, true. But yeah, no, like, the point with Adam specifically is that I want to show younger creators that it is okay to write self-inserts as long as you can write them properly and not as like this god powered like for, even that is fine i don't really care you know <laughs> do what you want it's your story right yeah. but it is possible to write a good self-insert and that's my point with them specifically because there is so much like bad rep specifically on self-inserts and stuff when ultimately honestly all like ocs and all franchises and stuff are some sort of self-insert yeah yeah you are it just depends how much of yourself that you put into them and for yeah, me, you're I just like, projecting you know some part of yourself or another yeah that, that is like it's true you can make it more or less obvious but like like it's you know like for some people it's like making people want to make the idealized version of themselves that does all the things that they can or there's one I think in their case, I want to make one that was truer to the kind of person that they actually are. Oh, actually yeah. For me, it's more like, oh, no. Me basically reflecting the type of, like, the way I feel like my emotions feel like to other people and stuff. Because the whole thing is that um, the monsterkin or the people who... Uh, have monster forms and stuff in Tallyho is basically a reflection of their in- inner turmoil and trauma and what they're thinking reflected on the outside and that's basically what it is mm-hmm. I mean that's that's so. fair I mean especially with <laughs> once again with how unique of a world you guys are presenting more than anything else seeing like kind of that stuff really be on, on full blast and like really having that be a, a major defining thing for this series and the characters involved I mean such unique characters that we've already illustrated with just Adam and Pearson oh alone I mean the the main I guess I don't know if it's the main antagonist but I, what seemed to be an antagonist Salem alone like that guy just you know I I am intrigued to know their motive more than anything else um <laughs> it was it was really funny because I remember specifically the design note that I that like I would banny around with them was um like because uh, like Adam being a vampire right. Adam the Vampire is dressed kind of like a normal steampunk dude, like a protagonist. And uh, Salem, who is pretty much just a normal dude, dresses like a vampire. Yeah. That's yep. the hilarious thing. And, like, honestly, everyone speculates that he's a vampire or something. And, no, he's just a normal middle-aged dude. He's just very, <laughs> he's just um, a dude. 
It's just very flamboyant. By the way, very fun fact uh, to every listener on this podcast. Um, Salem's design actually mirrors Pearson's. Mm. So that reflects their roles in the story. And if you kind of look into a lot of the little details I have hidden in the backgrounds and stuff, you will find out a lot more about the story than there is on the surface because like, that's just the type of person I am. Um, I don't flaunt myself very often. I just do the thing. And there you go. Whatever you get, you get. So with Salem and Pearson, even their um, the pin labels are on the opposite side. Okay. Oh, sir. We'll yeah. Oh so, yeah, like <laughs> with Pearson specifically, he wears a heart shaped clover pin right over um his left side which is over his heart mm -hmm. and it's kind of representative in a way of how he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's a very compassionate person mm. um sometimes a little bit to his own detriment because his entire family is not compassionate at all they're wealthy billionaires so eat the rich anyways <laughs> uh, there's a reason why he's disowned <laughs> yeah he like I, I, are we gonna are we gonna like talk about their um their like some background stuff or would that be like yeah why not much? I mean we already gotten into it why not man so ultimately like, if the story's good the story's good yep yep so like that so like Adam has uh what was it like uh there there's only there's only so much of like thing but like Adam is uh what was it Adam's kind of like got their own stick where they kind of had to be they they were the uh the the, the street kid they kind yeah. of like yeah. kind of got kicked out and had to become with with all uh, like the vampire powers and shapeshifting stuff like that like honestly no it's not even that like okay so you can talk about pearson i'll talk about adam but no yeah, no, we were gonna do adam, that, yeah adam basically ran away from home and was basically they put they were put under so much pressure that they ran away and they were like i can't do this anymore mm -hmm. and uh basically tried to taste what freedom was like for a while and they enjoyed it but they became very distrustful of people in general and pearson was the only person that ever extended any sort of kindness to them so they kind of grew attached to him and eventually uh ended up sticking with him um but in terms of their personality and what they are and who they are, they are very intelligent and they're really good at reading between the lines and seeing very like small things. Like they have such a different perspective on things that oftentimes like they'll see things that other people won't notice or they'll connect patterns where other people do not see it because it is actually heavily implied that they're both autistic and extremely ADHD, mm. like most of the other cast, but emotionally they're a bit dense. They can't read social cues. Well, um, they can pick up some subtle things, but a lot of different social cues they can't pick up. Um, they're a bit crude, blunt, crass. They don't really see the point in being so like putting on a face masking presentation i guess so they're just like okay you know if somebody doesn't want to deal with being told the truth then you know they can go suck it essentially <laughs> they're very very that kind of person but they also 
if you take the time to know them, even though like they seem on the outside like a brute, if you take the time to know them, you realize they're not the type of person that flaunts themselves reflective of me. And they're very much, they have a wide variety of interests. They're really, really smart. And Mm -hmm. if you stare at the way they plan blueprints, schematics, and other things, they're a tinker. They actually really like making things. And um, they can create some of the most unique and interesting inventions out there um, that you wouldn't expect somebody their age to create. Um, Which, uh, but since it's not really in line of what they were supposed to be, because they were basically being groomed into uh, a leadership position and stuff, so they were studied a lot with that. So you can probably get a hint of who uh their family is what their family is like so they Mm -hmm. do actually come from a rather influential family if you look at how these characters are designed you will figure it out very quickly Mm -hmm. but um adam doesn't say shit about their family or anything it's why they actually changed their last name okay interesting interesting okay now how about pearson i'm interested to hear more about them yo he okay <laughs> Pearson was a character that like kind of he was like his original creation was <laughs> n- notably less heroic than what it is now okay this kind of guy would have been would not have been the kind of guy he was originally Pearson originally was like for one not in this time period he was kind of conceived as somebody who was just this just fucking corporate America swine, this guy who is just, who lied as easily as he breathed mm-hmm. kind of guy. And that element of his, like, that element of his silver-tonguedness kind of gave way to this more interesting dynamic of him knowing that the environment that he grew up and the people he grew up in have this inherent air of dishonesty, of deception. Like, his family, they, his family... They all, they all have the mask. They have the family mask. Like, Adam has the whole thing. It's like, I don't want to put up an appearance or a mask. His whole family knows how to, like, make that kind of, like, that kind of um, put on a smile and put on, like, a present and put on a presentation for the public or for the people you're trying to be your peers with. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very... Um, he got very disillusioned at the idea that like that they are not only that they're that they're liars that they don't care about people under them that they don't all this other stuff he in the kind of the bluntest of terms he grew in like exorbitant amounts of wealth and he accidentally developed a soul okay like that is the best way that I can describe it. <laughs> that was also helped by somebody else in the cast. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. He he kind of like learned a sense of perspective, of empathy, of all that other stuff. And that just kind of ate away at him for a while. Okay. But he still has all those skills. He still knows how to pull one over on someone. It's kind of this like <laughs> It's kind of this like whole dynamic of he wants to be a good guy, he wants to help out the common man, but he's also really, really good 
at being a wolf in sheep's clothing yeah. because he learned how to pick that up. It was the kind of stuff he learned how to do. And he also knows all this other like fancy high society shit. He probably knows how to play like a harpsichord or some other boozy shit like that, you know? <laughs> like He knows how to play piano, right? Not a piano, a harpsichord. <laughs> because Adam knows how to play piano, but don't ever ask them to because they will absolutely smash one on site because Yeah, no, it's they want to play for fun, right? Yeah, like for him for him it was like he it's like it's that kind of like trope of like, you know, he's the con man, but he's got like that heart of gold underneath. Like that he has the people that he opens up to that he's genuine with, but otherwise he will continue to fake it until he makes it. Yep. And because also, faking it is the best skill that he has. He also is really woefully unprepared to be uh, a dad. So he's <laughs> just really awkward with Adam. And he's very glad that Adam is like 19. <laughs> he's very glad that he's having to deal with like a teenager going, like someone who is technically already an adult. Yeah. Like it's easier to deal with a young adult than have to go through all the other stuff of developing a child because it's also another thing like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, and also the very interesting dynamic between the two is because Pearson is much more controlled with his emotions. Mm -hmm. Adam is not. Right. Adam is very volatile, and they have a really, really terrible temper because obviously when you have PTSD and other things like that, it does bring a lot of irritability and nastiness to the table that people don't talk about. Same with depression. Right. People seem to just glance over that and be like, oh yeah, you're just sad. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's no it can make you, like, really irritable and just... Oh, yeah. And uh, Pearson basically can read them like a book sometimes, and Adam is a really terrible liar, obviously, so they're mm -hmm. like, I didn't break that vase. You broke that vase, didn't you? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... Like, he... It's the kind of thing where it's like, they can't hide, they can't disguise themselves in anything other than, like, physical sense. Right. They can't disguise, like, how they emote, how they talk, and other stuff like that. And Pearson is the complete opposite. He is a top-of-the-top -top bullshitter. That is his best quality. Or his <laughs> worst, depending on how you look at it. It's actually really hilarious because Pearson is kind of... Honestly, like, it's really funny because Pearson is the straight man of the group. He's not even straight. <laughs> and, like, if you put him near other chaotic characters, he will become chaotic. Because, yep. like, holy crap, Arthur is his best friend yep. and Arthur yep. absolutely brings out the goblin in him. I was, look, I was gonna say, like... With the side characters, look, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. Arthur has my heart straight up. Like seeing oh, that, everyone see, does. See, seeing their design, seeing the chaos that they bring to whatever situation it is. Arthur's the one that I'm like, give me more, please. I need more. Do you know how many times I've drawn them? They have their own side character blog. <laughs> Literally, I'm I not even that. joking. No, because like Arthur, um. Here's the thing, I wasn't originally going to bring them into the story, but I did because, honestly, Pearson's a little bit incomplete without them, mm -hmm. um, at least in context-wise. But 
Arthur and Meryl, um, they're... Their family is called the Wilts because mm-hmm. it's actually based off of uh, Arthurian lore. So, okay. Merlin Wilt is the bard that inspired Merlin, which is why Meryl's name is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do have a third sister, um, Morgana, mm. and she isn't really around, but uh, because she lives elsewhere, but mm. she is twin sisters with Meryl. Okay. Um, Totally opposite personalities, those two. Uh, but Arthur is definitely a very fiery person. Very, very anxious. Very paranoid. Um, the most mad scientist kind of vibe you can get, except they actually have a moral code and they're very deeply traumatized, but don't ask them about it because they'll never tell you. Fair um, enough. Also, just... They get very clingy towards Pearson too. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's really for, funny. Any of this but, other uh, stuff of like, oh god. Yeah, Arthur uh, basically has never really had any friends besides Pearson, and even then, they uh, really didn't like him at first, and they thought he was just some uppity snobbish prick until um, yeah, you know, they got to know each other a little bit better, and they were actually the one that taught him humbleness, compassion, and let him see the other side of things, which right. is just like basically the world of like the lower ringford and stuff and what kind of conditions these people are living in and what kind of circumstances these people are living in because a lot of people especially if you're middle class or high class you are taught that people control their circumstances and that if you are poor or homeless or whatever that is absolutely your fault when that is not Mm -hmm. true at all because it depends on a litany of things like one for example jobs that are like hey we'll hire anybody by the way we require seven years of experience and i'm like i don't have that can i get a job please (laughs) and it's just like you know there's that you also have like people who are just homeless because they've been evicted or something like Mm -hmm. that there are just things in our lives we cannot control and that is what arthur kind of taught pearson because even though they act very push away like they're very like cagey as a person and very jaded um they actually have a really really big empathetic heart they just kind of don't know who to trust anymore so they come in later in the story though they actually don't come like immediately because it's a Uh, big thing okay um pearson's pretty mad at them i'll just say that for I, I mean, because I they disappeared for seven years and they came back, and it's just like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, hi. It's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, so how's it going? <laughs> Pierce said, I thought you fucking died. Where did you go for seven years? My death I was a. Uh, my death was greatly exaggerated. And they're just very much like. My lawyer says I can't tell you anything. <laughs> you don't have a lawyer. <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> you don't your have sister is literally. You don't need a lawyer when your sister is the captain of the guard. So. <laughs> you need a lawyer, but could you? It's like, but could you be my defense? <laughs> it's like I was like, you don't have a lawyer. Oh yeah, tell that to my lawyer. Hey, how are you? <laughs> The hilarious thing is, we actually do have a court episode written. Oh, Jesus! Yes. Yeah, we do have a court episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really think, I really think we can like play off of 
because for stuff like that, I'm not I'm not gonna like spoil too much about it. Also, because it's all in development. What we say here would be subject to change, regardless. Right. Right. Um, I also like I want to say I. It's like I love world building. I love the minutia and all the other stuff. But you know what I love also sometimes even more. What? Just doing things that are funny. Yep, yep. Like, Let's go yeah, for it. Yeah, we're just very doing... funny people, if you've just noticed. Like, <laughs> we're absolutely... It's just like, you know, where it's like... Where it's just like you introduce, like, visual gags, and you introduce, like, visual gags and stuff like that. It's just like ranging and stuff from... Ranging and stuff from more academic to stuff that would just be incredibly silly. Right. And, like, I love visual gags. I love stuff like that i love incorporating that that is the kind of stuff where it's like i will incorporate i will like sneak jokes into things i have saved images of various screaming faces i have drawn <laughs> you mean, have seen it in the pitch but yeah. also it is my discord banner right now there you go. it is no, but like, I want, provide, I want to provide one example, which was the one that, like, Show and I collaborated on, which was, um... Oh, God. Which no, one? For the, the pitch pal, for the pitch packet. Like, one, uh, Salem is literally soapboxing. He's standing on a soapbox, right? <laughs> Hi. He's, he's standing, he's standing, he's standing on a crate of soap, and... Then we, and then it's like the other thing, it's like, what should we name it? It's just, what the fuck do you mean? It doesn't need a brand, it's just a box itself. It's like, no, 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 this would be funny, trust me. So it's like, we're gonna name, we're gonna name it Castle Castile. So it's just Castle and then a synonym for soap, Castle Castile. Castle and that soap. was. Yeah, we also like background gags and stuff like That's, that yeah. too so i, I was gonna say sometimes the way, we just hide things i would say the way you guys are kind of describing like the humor and like the storytelling of the show it reminds me of like uh, amphibia for example like it's one of those like does it have like that deeply invested lore in it that's like you know so several different aspects of world building and whatnot absolutely but then they also had an episode to where like they did silly halloween gags to where one of the gags was like the the mushroom taking over the the frog and it's like no no, no, no. Yeah. talk to the mushroom not to the frog i know it's confusing i know <laughs> like yeah we're very much like that um yeah but honestly like i'm at the stage of chaos where like I could very easily just write in the background, I hate drawing backgrounds, and just nobody would bat an eye because everyone's looking at everything else, but once you rewatch it, you see that, you're like... It's like, if we get the opportunity to, you'd just be like... You would just have like a bunch of like, here, let's uh, put the let's put the names of, on like the spines of these books on the, on the bookshelf. Let's see... Um, Let's see. Let's put this in cursive so not a lot of people want to read it. Let's see. Etc. Lauren Ipsum. There you go. <laughs> I was too lazy to come up with another book title, so here <laughs> this is a giant paragraph of all the different books on it, the just, just literally one just says book. <laughs> book. Book one. Book two. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> there you go. Book three Awakenings. <laughs> Windings, a complete comprehensive book. There you um, go. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, I also specifically really like the humor uh, from Troll Hunters, which is there something I reference a lot, which is by uh, Guillermo del Toro. And in that, they have like a book called The Brief Recapitulation. Like, 
the re the brief recapitulation of troll lore, and like they have an actual book of that, and I have it. And <laughs> if you look at the word recapitulation, like if you just chop it down, you just realize it just it, it's recap. Yep, it's yep. recap. Oh, the actual the actual like. Yeah, it's the word recap is it's like a brief recap. No, the actual full word is much more sterile and academic. It's a recapitulation. And... Right, right. Yep, yeah, yep. A, very... a brief recapitulation of troll lore, volume forty-two. <laughs> a very, a very, a summar, a summarily abbreviated recapitulation. Good lord. Jesus, but... I, mean, I mean, like it's incredible what you guys are going to be presenting and stuff like that. Like I said, you know, all these characters, and whatnot. Thank you for bringing up the that pitch, uh, pitch document, but pitch packet or whatnot. There, yeah, I think there was like a glitch. I think there's like a glitch or something with it because there was one character in there that was like being mentioned, but all it was was like a flashing image or something like that, and this weird text that that went along with it. I, are you guys aware of, of this stuff? I don't know. I don't really know what you no. I, I was like, I can recite the, the thing here. Maybe it might ring a bell or something like that. <clears throat> Witness her. She will grace us all. Grace us all. Elevate us, us from our squalor. Welcome the night. night. She, she will welcome you. Beware the non-believers. Ethereum. That is something I also wanted to just briefly touch upon real quickly, oh. like ha having that kind of because the thing that intrigued me because like I'm looking at this and the way you guys described it, it looks absolutely unique and looks like amazing, like that being like the main power source from anything else. But the way you guys also described it beforehand of it being like the the fantastical mundane or whatnot, that that leads me to kind of ask what, how would you guys describe Ethereum for those that are just thinking I'm talking about like I don't know crypto or some bullshit like that. Okay. Uh, that's actually really funny because Ethereum with an E is actually a type of cryptocurrency. That's the joke. That's the joke. Keep going. But, <laughs> anyways, uh, if you can't tell, I'm incredibly uh, jokes. Anyways, uh, <laughs> there's a reason why Adam is based off of me. Um, anyways, uh, Ethereum is actually based off of a real thing. Uh, okay. Specifically, a lot of stuff in Tallyho is not just based. If you realized by now it is based off of real world magic and that kind of stuff mm. so alchemy if you look into ancient alchemical texts and stuff like that like specifically from the medieval ages and stuff you would realize that there used to be five elements you know water fire whatever and then like the stages of uh matter gas liquid solid plasma but then there was a fifth one known as aether okay. or also known as god's breath because it was supposedly like quintessence aether ethereum was like this energy and space travel and then that was discovered to be false and mm. it's whatever so we were like hey what if we just make something that's out of this world that is befitting of the name god's breath and also um it doesn't match any state of matter that we know of, so that's why. Yeah, it's, that. it's the, to to make it kind of weird and alien. It was like it's a rock that grows like a plant. Oh, okay. It is a mineral that grows like a plant. It is the best way that the most concise way to describe it. It is a 
gemstone that is a weed. Hmm. That's like, one invasive species. Okay. No, yeah, that's what I mean by weed. Like it is designed to burrow into like mineral formations and just spread. It's a weed. It's something that doesn't really work because it's it's something that doesn't really work with like earth physiology and stuff like that. Because you're like, how does a rock become a plant in another rock? How does all this other stuff happen? And these are like, and this is sort of the like, and this is sort of the alien aspect of it. How does a rock do all this? And that's kind of the yeah. transformative like nature of it. We literally also have like stuff written down about it, about how it reproduces using spores. Mm. And that uh, it yes. emits a very toxic gas bubble thing. So like if you look closely at the image of Aether, there's like little bubbles coming off of it. Don't don't eat them. Don't touch <laughs> them. They're very poisonous. Don't do that. <laughs> don't eat the rocks. <laughs> what was it? Don't, Adam don't in the meanwhile. The, don't eat the rocks. <laughs> don't Eat the rocks, don't huff the gas, or you are going to see uh, your entire life, including the point at which you die. Oh, but I like the gas! Yeah, no, I mean, did you want cool mutations and uh, irreversible trauma? Go ahead, but also, uh, do you want to die? Do you want to see God? I've embraced death yeah. at this point. Okay. Yeah, Aether is such a weird little like alien rock thing that it one came from space. Two, uh, because it's an invasive species and all that, and it reproduces using spores and okay. whatever weird thing that just okay. Depending on the growth climate too, um, like the pH of like the soil and stuff like mm -hmm. that, um, the uh air humidity temperature and stuff it actually can grow into different colors and those different colors have different properties right, and even okay. furthermore you can melt it down like a liquid you can also crush it up into a fine powder you can also refine it and the energies will become different because this is actually based on how crystals and witchcraft work because i am a witch uh, so gotcha there's your fun fact there you go <laughs> Yeah, I got kind of like because we because when we talked about magic and witchcraft and stuff like that, we got kind of like I got obsessed with the idea of chemical symbology and alchemy and stuff like that. And you were going to see at least some of that in there, like alchemical symbology and methodology and stuff mm -hmm. like like you know might have some you might have like Ornery's referencing the seven classical planets or some other stuff like that and like texts and the symbols like. Uh, you know, how, like, Mars and Venus are actually supposed to represent Mars and Venus, not male and female. That's, that is always the fact that I love telling people. Male and female means, male and female means Mars and Venus. But mm. anyway, it was, um, so, like, I got, so we got kind of, like, really into, into the sauce for that. You know, just really, <laughs> really, like, really, we, I don't want to say it's the kind of thing where it's like, we found all these cool ideas and just put them in a blender no, because like, there is a sense I, of cohesion there. Yeah, no, like I actually study and practice witchcraft and stuff like that. I literally have a piece of selenite with me and a deck of tarot cards. And also there's an altar down there that I'm not going to show. But um, yeah, I'm uh, so basically even there, uh, there are actually symbols and stuff that I created like sigils and whatnot mm -hmm. using um, how like witches create certain sigils for like empowerment and stuff like that because i actually also do that 
Okay. But yeah, so there's a lot of like different things that I brought from witchcraft practices and stuff like that into the world and also like just interesting things that I'm like, okay. So like with alchemy and stuff specifically, uh the concept of the philosopher's stone, for example. Um Ethereum takes the place of that and instead Aether that is red is the philosopher's stone. Mm, okay. Okay. I got you. So stuff like that. I mean, either way, like, just thinking about how much is you, you guys have invested in Tally Ho just as a whole, like, whether it be something as subtle as, like, background details or, like, the power source of this thing, to obviously the most vital parts of, like, the world and these characters or whatnot, like, you guys have really cultivated, like, a truly unique world that, if people have not heard about it before today, like, they truly need to know. So I, I, have, so I have to ask you guys, like... You know, since you guys are developing this, how far do you guys want to go with this project? Uh, so we wanted to at least get like the one season, if not two seasons, and that's um, that's for the that's for the actual like run production for like two seasons of this. Hopefully, one one would be more three ish. Maybe maybe like... three. Maybe three, um, shoot for one at the very least, right? Yeah, right now, basically the main plan is that we just want to get this proof of concept out there and then look into different funding options, not just crowdfunding and stuff, because I am actually looking into a litany of different funding options, right. including grants, including uh, grants that are specific to my school and whatnot like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of things I'm doing, like researching, doing market research and whatever. Uh, getting the word out however I can, but also, like, ultimately, the goal is to go all the way with this kind of production and um, hopefully make it into a reality and run the whole season, which the season right now, as it stands, it is 23 episodes. Good. And the reason why for that, it w the reason for that number is very specific. Okay. Um, because each one is representative of a tarot card. Uh, okay. Fair and enough. they are according to the numbers, except for the last two, which are both according to the world. Okay. So that's the finale. And uh, basically the way I have set this up as a plan is not to be like TV, like pipeline or something, but it's essentially, it starts off like very short episodes and gets longer and longer, similar to how like, uh, spindle horse has been kind of doing like hello boss which is mm -hmm. really interesting but um definitely not as polished and clean because we have like just a much more gritty style and that's just part of the aesthetic yeah because i also yeah. want to save money but also um the other thing is also that uh i want to do mixed media in the future too for mm. some of the more other weird stuff that goes on but it's for mostly story and pacing reasons um because I did originally try to do 13 episodes or whatever, but my problem is I have a thing where I need to have a very clear theme. Otherwise, I kind of just go, you know, so like I can't think of any ideas unless I have a theme. Mm -hmm. um, a, a good example for that is uh, for a while I wasn't really able to write uh, Arthur's main story which Arthur does come from another story called Arthur the Timeless Knight. Mm. Um, but that's my, like, hobby project, essentially. Okay. And 
with with Arthur's story that I have been working on for years, I actually started Tally Ho first because um, Arthur's story, I was like, you know what? I think I need more practice before I go on to that one. Okay. But um, with that, I couldn't figure out a good structure until I literally looked at an Oingo Boingo album <laughs> and was like, I'm just going to take the song titles. <laughs> Let's go. And, believe it, yeah, sorry, so, real quickly, I was going to say, believe it or not, this is not the first time Oingo Boingo has been brought up on the podcast. Continue. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, I, you I, know what? I would I had, uh, what was it, uh, Marina, uh, yeah, uh, basically the, the Sick Mutt, uh, if you know that collective or whatnot, um, like, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, what they're called on Twitter or whatnot. Basically, if I if I showed you their art, you might recognize it. But like, yeah, I had uh, them on, and they're they're big with Oingo Bongo. So that <laughs> same man as I was before. Anyways, uh, like yeah, no. So that's kind of just a thing generally with me is I really really like to go very full in with theming motifs. Um, storytelling that have like very core and central themes like one of my favorite tropes in media is the idea of a mirror antagonist or a mirror like essentially mirror antagonists what those are is that like uh, they are reflective of what the protagonists go through and stuff mm-hmm. like that but essentially um, what they could have became if they let their flaws overtake them, that kind right, of thing. Right. So I really like those um, kind of stories, um, gray morality, other things. So, yep. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see how you guys implement that when it comes to, yeah. to this series and Tally Ho or whatnot. So, I mean, I also have to ask this. I mean, you know, you guys said you're trying to push out the proof of concept at this point. How far along are you guys with that? <laughs> It is. I really want me to answer that. Uh, okay. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. I'm in college. No, I'm I get dying. that. I get that. I get that. I get that. It I'm is not... still in the storyboard stages, but okay. if you want to know production schedule stuff, uh, I am planning to finish the boards by February, like the end of February. Okay. And then start actually moving on to the animation and stuff like that because it is about four minutes. It's fairly short mm-hmm. because I wanted to keep it that way. Right. Um, but I'm planning to hopefully release it by the next International Steampunk Day, which is like, like not this year, but next year, like okay. 2024, which is June 14th, which ironically is two days after my birthday. So it hey. would be my birthday gift to myself. Um, <laughs> and to the community, right? Hell yeah. But it would like, so I'm also between places. Like, you know, we have our reasons for that. It's been going slow but it has been going we have been working on it we have we are just sort of chipping away at the different aspects of it mm-hmm. yeah um i'm also pulling some extra money that i have out of my pocket to try and like essentially get certain things funded or like whatever so it is kind of a semi-paid production that's because some of my friends are like do not pay me because if you pay me i will i will i will grab you and I will send the money back. Do not pay me. And I was like, okay, fine. I just want to pay my friends. Well, the, yeah, so I'm starting to move towards a paid production. Well, I was going to say, well, let me, let me 
reiterate this because obviously, you know, you probably can, you know, one of the things you were talking about is seeing kind of, you know, the BS that's going on when it comes to the animation world as a whole, especially with like Netflix canceling mm-hmm. or whatnot. I think you could probably attest to this that seeing people trying to really crunch and try to push something out when it's not ready or whatnot doesn't really lead to the best results one way or another. So, oh, be- so, so believe me when I say that please take your time. I know that what you guys are producing is going to be absolutely insane and incredible. I want you guys to make sure that you guys are happy and satisfied with the project. Because if you guys are happy and satisfied with it, we as the fans, we are going to be ecstatic about it. Believe me. I think think for me, what would be, it's not only something that we'd be happy with, but also if it's something that we like, that the fans like, and that they can take it and run with it, and that someone is actually, like, so enraptured in it that they can, like, just take it and go run away with it and make something, like, make something pro- and make something just cool. Mm-hmm. That would be, that would be ideal for me. But, yeah, essentially for me, like, ultimately what it is, is, like, I will humanize myself a little bit here and say that I will admit that I do feel left behind at times when it comes to the speed of social media and seeing a lot of my other fellow indie creators or friends that have basically gotten a lot more content out than I ever have. I have to remind myself that they have had their stuff in production for a very, very long time. Right. And they have put a lot of effort that they are putting that out there. And social media is smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors, you know, like, so it's very much like I get kind of insecure about it, but then I just tell myself that I can go at my own pace. Ultimately, we are at the start of our journey and we're hearing into somebody else who is in the middle of theirs, you know? So like, it's obviously like, we're always going to feel bad about that, but ultimately I try not to get too involved with social media so I can basically not feel that anxiety of i need to put something out there for the algorithm and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. just kind of focus on my own thing and when i'm ready i can just start posting more things and start showing off more things and just um you know rush product never turns out good i was on productions that rush their product no bueno yeah no bueno No bueno. So, no bueno. so, so no. once again, believe me when I say that like, whenever the time is right and you're ready to push out that stuff, we will collectively be eating that stuff up. Because I know Heck that yeah. based on our conversation alone that we've had today or whatnot, oh, I know you got something incredible. You got something amazing. Ready to go. <laughs> Thank you. But for this next question, if I may, I want to go a little bit above mm-hmm. and beyond if I can and give you both more or less the dream scenario. Let's say I am big shot Mr. Moneybags. I get to come up to you guys. I'm like, look. Show, Jim, we know you guys can produce something incredible. We've seen the little teases here and there. We know that there's there's something just like waiting to be unearthed more than anything else. You just need a little extra push, a little extra, you know, uh, maybe a, little, a, a better foundation for what could be going next. We have access to anyone and everyone in whatever industry possible, and more money than it should be possible. We could probably be helping so many homeless people not be homeless, but we'll focus on that later. Right now, we are focusing on you guys and you guys alone. If given this oh, opportunity, boy. what would be the dream Skull Hair Studios project? It's unionized. That's a good start. That's a great start. <laughs> yes. 
It's union. Everybody gets. Everybody gets. Everybody gets their share. Maybe royalties. But, uh, yeah. No. But the, no. No. It's unionized. Uh, I can basically pay uh, fellow artisans and stuff for unique merchandise because that was always the plan: is to have uh, merchandise that is from the steampunk community and curated by them. Mm -hmm. um, the project can be as polished and come out quicker on a different, like on a more consistent production schedule. Uh, the studio will be actually funded and in a real location because the reason why I'm also pushing for this is so I can have a actual studio space mm -hmm. because mm, <laughs> um I get that I get I that. yeah like if it if it just comes down to just the project and stuff like having that amount of money could genuinely jumpstart something really really fast and quick mm -hmm. because at the end of the day i have been like literally working on a two-year projection plan for the fucking studio i'm not even joking about that <laughs> like i i am because again there's actually like some entrepreneurship opportunities and grants that i am looking into and okay. a lot of those require papers and i don't have those right now and i'm working on them right now so like don't don't, don't you got this me. you got this show you got this Thank you. <laughs> Jim, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah. So what our ideal production would be would not only be union, but it would also be like, I'm not going to say I'd get like all, I'm not going to say I'd like get all the, uh, all the big names or whatever on. I just want to have the people that we know that we can get on and that we can treat them well. And, you know, it, might get to the point where like hey maybe you know knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy like we like we have at least one dedicated va who mm -hmm. is an honest to god professional and i love him to bits uh austin lee matthews who is you love him half to death he is, By he the is way, he's great he's the voice of pearson but also fun fact he also voices uh Arthur from Mystery Skulls animated, yep, which is yeah. really, really funny. <laughs> and uh, funny scream man. <laughs> Roche, Final Fantasy Seven remake. Seven, yeah. He's there's Tell a lot of things. Me. It's I God, he, he's such such a nice guy. Very sweet. He, Very sweet. He, he, um, my closest but, now. he really is. Like and so like, you know. It's it'd be ideal to get like the people that we know and to treat and to treat them well and compensate them well to where like they could use the like the ideal scenario would be where they could do this as a job right and not feel like they're drowning like yeah that would that would be the ideal circumstance in any case would be. Right, it's a very simple thing. We're taking care of ours on our own. This is just a bunch of friends and friends of friends that get together and do all this stuff. And like we're not trying to have lofty goals. Like, yes, we want it to be we want it to be well received, popular to some extent. Right. Not I don't know if mainstream would be necessarily the word for it, but like a good following and a good like way to keep up with it. But also we want to be able to actually take care of our crew and have them enjoy it and be able to actually do this and have like 
room to breathe mm-hmm. because obviously that gives room for more creativity you know like it's they say like limitations induce creativity and stuff like that but yeah, limitations induce creativity more or less limitation. to a reasonable degree not right. like i am living out of a shithole apartment trying to make it big not like that no we don't ever want somebody to live like that please take care of yourself like crunch culture and like being yeah. bragging like i drink three red bulls to stay awake is not a pretty look it's not as fancy as you think it is man. That's yeah. like, goes. <laughs> That's how i literally had to, i literally had to stop one of my um best buddies that uh from doing that because the man drank like so much red bull i was like dude i your kidneys you're not a kid. I was gonna say, fuck the kidneys. His heart, that hurt their heart. I'd be more concerned about that. <laughs> but, yeah. but I, 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 yeah, I know they're gonna be listening to this. I'm watching you. I'm watching you, Finnegan. I'm watching you. <laughs> I know they're listening to this eventually. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, uh, no, no, but I, I do. Uh, Either way, like for a dream or whatnot, just having that space, having those people like compensated and unionized more than anything else, that's a good goal to aspire for. And I sincerely hope you guys get to yeah. that point. Sincerely. As and also, uh, there is one more thing. Mm. Honestly, if I could get one person to do anything, I would like music specifically from the steampunk community, specifically okay. uh, either Steam Powered Giraffe, uh, Cog is Dead, or. Voltaire. I really want music from Voltaire. <laughs> okay. Oh God. Yeah, you like just okay. Sam at least in some way or another has like Voltaire vibes. I have been listening to Black Labyrinth on repeat for like three days. And <laughs> also visual it's so design. Good. He looks a lot like Voltaire too. I think that was accidental. That was genuinely <laughs> accidental. I think that's ju- I think that's just the stylistic overlap, honestly. Fair enough. Fair Gothic. Enough. As we start, but yeah, no, up, go, you gone. Yeah, no, he's he is uh, very. I just I just like making the dude who's very gothic, and it's like a man that wears a man that wears weird stiletto heels and like a fur and like a stole that is also a fox that is alive. Yeah, uh, you are not taking credit for that. That was my idea. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying whose idea it was. I just said it's a fun vibe. <laughs> okay, but like the um the fur thing he wears. Uh, her name is Lucy. She does mm. actually have a name. Um, it's short for Lucifer because she is a little devil of a thing. Um, it's a fox. What did you expect? Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. Also, I made him wear heels because I was like, you know what? Toxic masculinity is dead. Let's give this boy feminine heels. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, excuse me. As we wind down the interview, I just have one last question I want to ask you guys. Obviously, you've been deeply entrenched in art and animation for as long as you guys can, for, for ages, for years at this point. How important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? Boy, Jim, do you want to start on this one? Because I have a lot to say on it. <laughs> I think I, I, you you start with that first, I think. Are you sure? Are you really sure? Because I have a lot to say. Uh, 
Okay. You you go first, please. Okay. I, I think I think Jim needs to think about it. <laughs> okay, well, it depends what you mean by that because art has a lot of different versatilities and value to the world. Even though a lot of people don't see it and they're like, art is a luxury, it's not a necessity. Look around you. Mm-hmm. Just look around you. That cabinet was designed by somebody. This room was designed by somebody. And those were artists. And this mouse over here was designed by somebody. So is this microphone. That's all product design. That's art. That's technically art. The food that you eat, the food that you consume, that's also an art. It's a culinary art. Mm-hmm. The music we listen to, the productions we do, it's entertainment. And obviously, entertainment creates a lot of morale, spirits, that kind of thing. You know, games, a lot of it can also be used medically to help people who have neurodivergencies or uh, motor control issues regain control. So honestly, art has a lot of different means of just infiltrating our world, but we just don't see it. You know, like all those posters on the back of your wall over there, that's art too, but it makes us happy, you know, and without it, honestly, we'll be living in like kind of a drab place and Art has existed for so long that it dates back to when we were cavemen. Mm-hmm. I mean, cave paintings on the wall and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, concepts of art have evolved throughout the years. We learned how to do perspective. We learned how to do this. We learned how to do that, you know? Like, patterns, design, aesthetics. It's all art. Mm-hmm. We are surrounded by art. But the only reason why we don't see it is because we're so used to seeing it around us that we believe it provides no actual value. Um, Art is a luxury, but unfortunately, it has been tainted by elitism and uh, Western colonization. Um, I am not afraid to say that because it is very true. Uh, A lot of the concepts of what we consider pleasing to the eye or aesthetically, like, correct are often westernized concepts from um anglo-saxon european centric countries um but i would like to also move away from that and try and bring in other beauty standards and other things that can be considered beautiful um because again i see beautiful beauty in everything even the most drab of places like a lot of people say that baltimore is a really shithole of a place it kind of is But honestly, I see beauty wherever I go because I love the people here, the locals. They're so nice and like I love talking to them and getting to learn more about the city and what I can do to help. I love looking at the architecture here that's really beautiful. It's just really sad that it's covered a lot of the time in graffiti or very run down because the historical sites aren't allowed to actually restore themselves unless they want to pay like 14k to do it which nobody has that money man (laughs) but yeah so like art it's everywhere we just don't really you know value it unfortunately um and we can blame a lot of people that are rich or famous for that thank you very much for not valuing art at all um because it's seen more as a Mm, frivolous I guess guess. yeah frivolous or it's seen more as useless than what it is 
which is a luxury but also a necessity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i'm trying to go again i'm trying to ask remember so what were the specific wording of the question how important is art not just for you but for the world as a whole Art for me is something that, I'll be honest, without any expressions of creativity, which is pretty broad to be considered art, I don't know what kind of person I'd be. I don't even think I'd be myself as I am without it. Like, that's not, Corey, that's not an exaggeration. I've defined so much of myself on my ideas, on what kind of imagination I've had, on, like, the kind of things that I like to imagine, the kind of, like, People people like somebody who's creative to an extent, you know, like they say, oh, you just sound really creative, like, but like, you know, when somebody starts expressing creativity in ways that are like kind of weird and like out, outside of, uh, are kind of like weird and outside of their norm, they're like, but that's not, but I don't like that. It's like, I don't like that kind of uh, thing. It's like. It's worth it's worth understanding the context behind people's creativity and stuff like that, but also um, like for me, for me personally, my um, I like to I like I like to try and understand the context behind things, the context behind the context behind art, behind all this other stuff because what because there is. Because, you know, like, uh, Death of the Author or whatever, stuff like, what someone, what someone is like, who someone is directly informs what they make, obviously, because they made it. And you, your brain, your whatever is personalized to you. Only you can interpret and understand things the way that you can. Because not, because nobody's had the same combination of of teaching of lessons of experiences of things that have happened to you things that you have learned things that you've just happened to pick up things that have happened to you by chance or that you've actively sought out all of that is unique to you because there is no single person that is exactly like another person that doesn't happen there is at least some variation that like you know it's like embrace your differences embrace variation but I don't know who I would be if I didn't have that kind of, if I didn't think about shit like this, if I didn't like, I don't know what kind of person I'd be if I didn't like think about all this wild and wacky and interesting stuff. I feel like I would still to some extent be me, but I wouldn't be the kind of person if I am, if I didn't define myself by being an artist, by being whatever. Cause it's like everything else just feels so, like mundane and like mundanity isn't really a bad thing you know art can still be a hobby you don't have to be famous you don't have to like your art doesn't have to make it you can just enjoy the act of making art and that is that's kind of a thing that i'm still trying to figure out with you know it's like living with your parents and all these other people and stuff like that it's like wow you're a really good artist it's like you can make it's like you know have you ever like thought about you know it's like you can make this have you ever thought about going to this have you ever thought about going to this profession? It's like, you want to make money. It's like, you know, artists don't make that much money. You don't have to other stuff. It's like, I want to live comfortably. Yeah. But other than that, I don't give a shit. There you go. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, other than having some semblance of comfort and stuff like that, it's like the idea of making it big. It's like, you could do so much. You could be making so much money. I don't give a shit. 
you enjoy art for the sake of making art. And if none of that, end, like there is that part of me that's always going to think I could have done this. I could have shared this to the world. But there's also a part of me that needs to recognize and that I think everyone needs to recognize that you can just do art for its own sake. You can have all the stuff that you did in like middle school and stuff like that that you might look back and think is God, that's fucking horrible. Why did I ever why did I ever do any of that? But it's also it's formative to you. Mm-hmm. It's you can enjoy doing it for its own sake. You can look back at yourself and think you were such an idiot when you were a kid. Who doesn't? Yeah. But it's also stepping stones it's art is something art expression people should be allowed to express people should be allowed to people should be allowed to express and that's like part of like part of the biggest caveats for me it's like what kind of i have been and have done a lot of things that i would not consider myself remotely proud of and stuff that you know probably for some people they try to hide they try to whatever because they're afraid of what other people will think that they'll think like i'm like a cancel this whatever but it's like you take you take that shit on the chin you move on you do whatever but you need to recognize you need to recognize like or you need to recognize yourself your experiences i i feel like i was going somewhere with this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, art is important for self-expression and communication as well. Of course, we're all different and we don't want to feel alone, that kind of thing. Story yeah. t- okay. You know what? I will go into this very briefly, but yeah. with art, also storytelling specifically, people yeah. think, oh, well, I see no point in stories and entertainment and all that, like TV, games, and this narrative stuff. No, they actually serve a very important purpose to pass down one of two things. A moral or a wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that is basically what storytelling does. It is a way for the viewer to connect um, and like experience kind of like what these uh, trials and tribulations that the protagonist goes through without actually having to basically be traumatized. Literally. So... You know, there there's a lot of that. So it's basically like secondhand experiences and stuff like that. Um, right. Obviously, it can be really powerful to avoid mistakes that humanity has done in the now for the future and teach future generations how to be better, etc. Whatever, you know, morals and wisdoms. Yeah, like it's not necessarily that everything has to like have a lesson, but like you can distill a lot of it into that. It's well, everything her. does have a lesson ultimately in the end because even something as uh, surreal and weird as Alice in Wonderland technically does actually have a wisdom to it, which is always question everything. Curiosity is your best friend. I think it's more, I think for, and this is another thing too, if we're talking about the fun part of the like expression of art and stuff like that, if you ask me what Alice in Wonderland is about, it's teaching a kid that the world doesn't make sense and that it's not going to in a lot of cases and that that's all right. You need to understand that you need to embrace at least a little bit of chaos in your life. And this, this just like microcosm of an interaction, that is art. That is art where you can go and say like, you know, one person can say, look at awesome one. And that's like said, always question what people consider to be real. I say it's, 
embrace chaos, embrace things, because if you try to make sense of the world, if you try to assign to everything an intent, an order, a whatever, like, shit just happens sometimes, and you won't know why, and sometimes you might never know why. Like, yeah, I think also, like, a lot of, um, I think a lot of people like to think that, like, uh, oh, my brain just farted. Um, hello. Wow. Um, I was gonna say something really profound, and then I forgore. Uh, oh, no. this is, this is the duality of me, is I sometimes say something really, really smart, and sometimes I say something really, really stupid. Yeah, I just kind of rambled on for a bit until I ran out of steam. <laughs> hey, I mean, you ramble a lot, man. There's a reason why I'm like, buddy, help. I mean, I yeah. was going to say, either way, with what you both presented for that last thing, the, you say ramble, I think, is very introspective, very thoughtful, mm-hmm. and it's wonderfully worded, if I do say so myself. Oh, oh yeah. thank you. That is all the questions that I have for you guys. I've already showered you with a bunch of praise, but I want to show you with a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do what the fuck I want. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, uh, show whenever you first messaged me about appearing on the podcast, once again, like I was, it, it, I was grateful to, to see that interest and really like that message really exposed me to your work in the first place. And I was interested in, int- instantly intrigued with what you had presented both the art that you've had and the the concept with tally ho and such like seeing the little bits of that like right off the bat i was i was hooked seeing your guys's pitch at that indie animation night whatever hook you guys pull you know reeled in a little bit more like reeled me in like really intrigued a whole lot more with more of the world the characters the chaos that could be coming from this place and having you both here today to describe more about tally ho describe more of the love and passion that is going into this project, the, the, the tender love and care that is going to every single detail of Tally Ho. Mm. Whatever excitement I had previously had is through the roof. The rain is coming into my house because I am <laughs> excited to I, thank, I, like sincerely. Thank you guys for really showing me like more of what you guys are doing because this stuff sounds absolutely incredible, oh. super unique, super like, it could be potentially groundbreaking if you guys are able to do this right. And I, and I sincerely hope so (laughs) as someone that is now going to be one of the biggest cheerleaders for you guys, I sincerely hope you guys get the opportunities, all the incredible opportunities to really showcase to the world that tally ho is something special that people need to be paying attention to long and short of it. Thank you guys for what you do. Keep up the awesome work. Keep pushing (laughs) forward. Keep creating incredible stuff. Oh. Thank you. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, it means a lot to me to hear that because, again, what's funnier and the most ironic thing about this is I've always been an underdog. Uh, you probably got the vibe from how I speak, <laughs> so I don't really tend to present myself very flashy or anything. Um, it's actually really interesting because the entire story of Tally Ho is about underdogs ultimately, and I have noticed that every single story I have written since, like Tuesday's story, for example, is also about underdogs, oh, and I'm like, okay, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? People love a good underdog story, so if people want to know more about your underdog story and find a way to show love and support oh, that boy. I haven't shown you guys, go ahead and plug y'all stuff for the people at home. 
Hi, uh, I will plug it again, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch or anything. I do have a link tree, uh, which basically just links all of our socials. And please go check out the teaser and um, the preview we do have for Tallyho. And uh, we also do have a merch front. God dang it! <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a siren. Uh we also do have a merch front and stuff. If you do want to support the show financially and get some goodies and stuff, I have an I Crave Violence keychain that is very funny. Um, <laughs> I also obviously have uh, Kofi and other means of donation. If you want to stop by when I stream at Skull Hair Studios, uh, obviously you can just drop some money there too. Um, in terms of like other social media and stuff, most of my stuff is listed under Skull Hair Studios. Um, if not, on Twitter, it is the Skull Hair because Twitter is dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Skull Hair Hub if you want to see updates on Tallyho specifically, and uh, PP Pandect for uh, my uh stuff with 2z and other things uh it's kind of it's more stream stuff because i am also a vtuber yep. i do a lot of weird things which apparently this goober found out later but um <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i think it was funny i think it was funny you're good but uh besides that uh i also do have tumblr and other things if you want to send me an email uh skullhairstudios at gmail.com if you are willing to help be a benefactor or something i don't know just it, it's out there now go harass me with fan art or something there you go jim do you have any links you want to add or do you think uh show got it all wrapped up i'm pretty like i don't i don't have any socials no. to share at the moment. fair enough <laughs> jim Understood. doesn't have any socials dude this is why i said i'm the spokesperson because i literally <laughs> am the one who has social media and this goober over here like, is like i don't I have social media anymore I only have Discord. <laughs> I don't really use much social media. DeviantArt was the closest thing I had to it. And uh, not telling y'all is my DeviantArt. Not like it matters or I'm going to check it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I never got a Twitter. I never got anything like that because I just never, never got into it. And Honestly, all, you're probably better off, I, all things considered. <laughs> Dude, he literally said, like, he's literally told me, like, I would literally rather die than ever get a Twitter. You won't catch me alive with a Twitter account. Okay. I said no. Let me let me clarify. Oh my I god. Said, if you catch me earnestly, honestly using a Twitter for anything other than like a brand account or some other stuff, like you can come to my house and you can admit me because I am clearly not well. <laughs> uh, I would rather die than actually, like, take Twitter seriously. Fair enough. When do you take Twitter seriously, bro? Like, whatever. But yeah, like, you know, I, I have social media, I guess. If you miss any links, I'll be, uh, if, if you miss any links or whatnot, I'm sure to have them in the description below so that people can keep up with Skull Hair and with Tally Ho, because I know people should be excited about that. I have a lot of links that I claim, mostly because I don't want other people to claim that it's me. Understandable. <laughs> I might not use everything, but I do have a link tree for that reason. There you go. There we go. 
Do you guys have any final words before we sign off? Uh, stay in school. Don't do drugs. Stay uh, hydrated. Uh, mm-hmm. Eat like uh, yep. eat stuff at a uh, eat food at um, sensible intervals. Um, uh, also, doing. subscribe to Postmodern Art Podcast, <laughs> or I will eat your bones. <laughs> If you uh, <laughs> get, also, get yes, this man your money, or I will come and eat your bones, or gather them into a nice pile. Give him your give him your subscription patronage, or else I'll uh, I, I don't know I'll be kind of upset. <laughs> I, I, are like, I'm just a hedgehog. I don't, I'm harmless, and I'm sitting here like, <laughs> do it now, or I shall become the eldritch horror that haunts that, your walls be, and also yeah. your sleep paralysis demon. I'm pretty be, sure you don't want me as your sleep paralysis like, demon. <laughs> Thank you both for the kind words and for the additional plugs. So I plugged myself at the beginning of the podcast. I got myself covered there, but thank y'all for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with that. All I have left to say is for the people at home, ask the Lego me amigos. <laughs>
me and Tipsy, you know, we're starting to really get that going. I mentioned it before, but you know, we're we're doing what we can to make the evil little thing a reality. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you this little insider thing. The the pilot episode is done. That that stuff has been written, and you know, we we're growing a small group right now, and hopefully, we can grow some more to where we can truly make this thing real. Because I genuinely do love and appreciate this property that Tipsy's brought forth. And I sincerely hope that we can make this a reality, if not for us, but for other people. I mean, mainly for Tipsy, first and foremost. In fact, I know how much love and passion she has for this project. But also the, the incredible team that we've already have and the team that we will soon be having. Really making this a reality and really doing incredible stuff. For the independent animation space, that's all we can ask for. That's all we could want. And I sincerely hope that we get an opportunity to really showcase that. I know talking with Sho and Jim, hearing how they're going forth with Tally Ho and stuff like that. You know, And obviously seeing everything that's going on in the independent space. Seeing so many incredible projects like really being brought forward. I mean, especially if you guys haven't seen it... Um, I think they're called the Indie Animation Hub or something, or Animation Appreciation Hub, I think is what they're called or whatever. But they had, like, an independent animation, like, Pitch Night. That's how I got to see a lot more when it came to, to Tally Ho stuff. And, like, a lot of incredible projects on there. Some of which, you know, hey, if there's any of the creators out there, uh, I'm probably going to be trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> but there's, like, so many incredible projects out there. And there's so many incredible opportunities and possibilities for people to really showcase what they truly want, what to do. I just sincerely hope that everyone that does get an opportunity to work on something incredible like that, they are compensated well for it and they have a great time at the end of the day because they're putting forth incredible stuff and they do not need to be ripped off more than the industry has already been doing, you know? (laughs) I mean, it just goes back to what I always want to tell you guys. At the end of the day, go forth and create something that you absolutely love and cherish. No matter what it takes, no matter how hard you have to work to get it, you guys deserve to. You guys deserve to have that incredible stuff out there. You guys deserve to have that love and passion on full blast. Go forth and make that passion a reality.